Hello and welcome back to the conclusion of the matter. I'm Ren Ferguson and joined with me as always is Robbie Santiago and Ryan Weaver. Uh, we're so glad that you have uh, tuned in uh, to the podcast. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 12 verses 13 and 14, Let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is man's all. For God will bring work, for God will bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or evil. And as we always do, we strive to look at the scriptures and every topic and, or passage that we address uh, to, to rightly divide that word so that we can properly ascertain what the will of God is uh, for us. And so we're so glad that you are tuning in. Uh, I'll go ahead and send it over to Robbie. He'll let you know what we'll be talking about. Thanks, Ren. So we're going to continue a series that we uh, started, I believe it was last season, called Out of Context. Uh, and so throughout our different episodes of Out of Context, we'll be looking at different verses that can sometimes be taken out of context. <laughs> and so uh, sometimes people uh, now and also people in the past will sometimes take individual verses and twist what their actual meaning is um, to fit a certain narrative or a certain agenda or belief of some kind, um, but we're going to be looking at uh, a few verses in each episode that we do for Out of Context to look at what do those verses specifically mean when we place them in the proper context versus what um, some beliefs about them are. So um, if you guys don't have any opening comments, then we'll go ahead and look at our first verse. So uh, and this is a verse that is probably one of the most frequently taken out of context, and that would be Romans 8.28. And that verse says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Um, and so as we, if we just look at that individual verse by itself, a lot of people will make the argument, well, I'm a person that loves God. So that means that everything in my life is going to work together for good and more or less that no bad thing is ever going to happen to me. So what would you guys say to somebody that... Well, I think some people read it as everything's going to be good, too. Uh-huh. And I think yeah. they miss that part that you alluded to there will work toward good. Right. And not mm-hmm. everything is good. No, definitely not. Uh, the other thing that I think about with this, too, is kind of the... Uh, the mentality of everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And that, in essence, God causes everything to happen, even the terrible things that we experience in our life. But he is causing them to happen for some good reason. I don't think that that's necessarily what this passage is saying, uh, because I don't think that God causes all the terrible things that happen in this Mm -hmm. world to happen. Mm -hmm. Like you think about... uh, natural disaster. I mean, you think about the wildfires in Maui right now. That's a terrible thing. And I don't think God caused that to happen. Now, can he use it for something good in somebody's life? I would think so, yes. But uh, that I that mentality that is often, I think, approached with this verse of everything happens for a reason, I don't think is the point that the apostle here is is trying to make. And also in the larger context of this, I think a lot of this is referring more so to our salvation. 
Well, and the sufferings you're yeah, going to de- right. deal with to get there. Right. And to your point, the, the broader context, starting in verse 18, he talks about comparing the sufferings with the glory, and then he talks about how the, the creation is, is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. Going back to our angels context, we're longing to see those angels come with Christ. To, um, but also talking about, um, you know, what, what we will have to deal with. I mean, the guy that wrote this, Paul, you can look at everything he went to through in Second Corinthians chapter 11, and there was not a lot of good that he went no. through as, no. as an apostle delivering the message. Um, one, of the, one of the lectureship books I was looking at on, the, on this passage, the statement, he made a statement in there. He said, there is a difference, but, and this kind of goes to what you were talking about, Ren, is um, people saying, well, God did this, so mm-hmm. good could come out of it. There is a difference between God bringing good out of evil than yeah. God bringing evil and suffering for good. Right. There's a big difference there. Right. Um, mm-hmm. The difference is, to your point, it's not God's will that so-and-so was evil and killed someone. Yeah. That was not God's right. will. Um, that did was he, free will. That was yes. free will. And yes. he allowed it to happen, yes, but it was not his will for that person to do that. Could good come out of that? To your point, I think yeah. at some point, yeah, but it may not be immediate either. Right. And I think that's the other thing that we learn here is it may not even be in this lifetime, yeah. you know, because mm-hmm. what we were talking about, he's talking about looking forward to that eternal reward, right. that 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 good that's going to come then. Right, right. And we've talked about this on um, other podcasts too, but, you know, you brought up that Paul was the author of of Romans. And so he knew quite a bit about suffering himself. But what he's talking about here is really the mentality that he had. Even though I'm going through this suffering, God is going to provide me with the endurance and the things and sometimes the people right. that I need to persevere through that. Yeah. Um, and th- and really that's what in context this is talking about is that it's not going to be, you know, dandelions and rainbows right. all of the time that there's going to be, you know, weakness and pain and suffering in this life. Yeah. Um, but yeah. at the same time, or on the other side of the coin, this is often sometimes a verse that atheists and um, other people who are trying to discredit the Bible will use to say, basically make the point like tornadoes, hurricanes, uh, cancer, death, disease, like all of these bad things happen. And yet, you know, in y'all's Bible, it says this verse. uh, Mm -hmm. And they use verses like this and and other ones similar to it to basically say that the Bible is contradicting itself or that in some cases that God's not all powerful and other things like that. Um, So, you know, it's really important that we have a proper understanding of this verse to be able to understand the playbook in a sense of what some people will use. Um, And I actually know when, when I lived in Tennessee... Um, there was a family that I knew that a family member had become unfaithful because um, they they had somebody pass away. Mm, and yeah. so as often, uh, or not necessarily often as in all the time, but as happens f- somewhat frequently, people will sometimes look to suffering and especially death of a family member, and they'll ask, why, God? Why mm-hmm. would you let this happen to me? And they'll point to verses like this. Right. I think you alluded to it earlier, Robbie, when you were quoting someone and saying, well, I love God, but I think that's one of the pieces we need to look at and say that, well, number one, this promise isn't for 
everyone. Mm-hmm. This promise mm-hmm. is is for those who love God. Well, Christ said, if you love me, keep my commandments. you'll keep my commandments. So I think we can dive in there. But also, what's the last part of the verse? There's also a stipulation there, right? It's right. for those, those who are called, are called according, according to his purpose. purpose. Right. So um, what, what does that mean? Well, I'll throw that well, out. What do you guys think that means? Those who are called, the first passage that I think of is... is it, Second Thessalonians two fourteen or First Thessalonians yeah, fourteen two fourteen. Oh, is it First or Second Thessalonians? Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians. Yeah, called uh, through the gospel. Uh, we're called through the gospel according to His purpose, which I think again you can relate that back to our salvation, the purpose that God set out through Christ for us to be saved through Him. Of mm-hmm. course, by the gospel, all of those things are interconnected. Yeah, I mean Second Timothy chapter two or Second Timothy chapter one verse nine who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. Mm -hmm. So it's because of God's purpose, he called us, to your point, through the gospel, and then we see in other places we're called out of what? The gospel calls us out Out of of darkness, darkness, right? And and that's... Yeah, 1 Peter Peter chapter 2, verse verse 9 at Mm -hmm. the end of that... um, him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we see that, number one, we're called out of darkness, but we're called by the gospel. The gospel. Yeah. So this message here tells us what? That it's for those that are Christians. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and again— And also those back, Christians well, who are wanting to do what right, God wants to them obey, to do. Right. right. And those that are remaining faithful, even mm-hmm. through going to the context, even through this suffering— that God will bring those things for their betterment, which I think we see a similar idea in James chapter 1 as well. I was even going to bring up in Romans chapter 5, um, verse yeah, 3, and not right, only that, right. we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. So, you know, clearly, as Paul brings up multiple times, his mentality in chapter 8 there is that there's going to be tribulations that happen. Mm-hmm. He's talking about the mindset that's going to carry you through that. Yeah. Right, right. And I think that um, we, we, we've we talked about the providence of God on several episodes. matter of fact, last one we talked about it a little bit. But I think we see some of that here is that um, yeah. we don't know how it's going to work out. We don't, And to, to a point, sometimes it's not till eternity. But I think God's providence is all in this verse here. Yeah, I do too. Mm-hmm. And this this passage reminds me of what Joseph told his brothers. <laughs> yeah. You meant it yeah. for evil, but God, God meant, meant it, it for, for good. Yeah. Again, does that mean that God made Joseph's brothers no. sell him into slavery? No, but God used, used that it for good to, yeah. of course, ultimately provide for Israel and his family, which would then in turn ultimately fulfill the prophecy made to Abraham in Genesis 15 that they would be slaves for 400 years, but he would bring them out, out of that of slavery. Yeah. And so we see all and of they, those things That goes through. back to God bringing good out of evil right. and not the other way around, right. not bringing evil well, just to— Yeah, and that point, this, th- that general point reminds me also of 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13 where uh, we're told that no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man, that God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape. And a lot of times people look at that verse and they'll say, God's not going to put any more on you than you can handle. 
that verse doesn't say that God is the one that's putting the temptation on you. He's just saying let. when it comes, yeah. he'll help you through yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I even think of all the different negative things that happen in our world, God can just make good things come out of it. You think of like 9-11, as tragic as that was, you know, the days and months that followed that, you really saw that community right. come together. Yeah. And then, like, I think of, like, you know, the Church of Christ disaster relief. There have been various tornadoes that have happened, like, in Kentucky and mm-hmm. then different floods and things that, you know, it's opportunities for Christians to really give relief to people. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, there's going to be bad things happen because of sometimes our own choices, sometimes the choices of others, sometimes the consequences of things that happened way back when, um, but still God, God's providence and God's uh, will is still going to be done in all of those things. Yeah. Um, and even you think like um, um, a geopolitical sense, I guess if that's the right word, like throughout the Old Testament, all of the different empires that came through and the powers um, that uh, came through, uh, whether they encountered the Israelites or not, the world that God set up, particularly when, like, Jesus came, you know, Jesus endured plenty of tribulation himself, um, but God set up, like, the perfect situation for Jesus to be in and then for the early church to grow. The mm-hmm. Roman roads, having a universal language, language everything yeah. worked out perfectly. So it wasn't, you know, always rainbows and butterflies and all this, um, but God was able to make negative things and turn uh, turn them into things that would benefit his will and things that would benefit the church in the long run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even like the, I think of the, the persecution that took place, you know, it, it, as bad as that was, and especially in the book of Acts, every time that that happens, the church was there to surround them, particularly like in Peter and John and the early apostles. It really gave them um, the encouragement that they needed. Well, and even that persecution went to the spreading of the gospel, Acts 8 and verse mm-hmm. 4. Yep. And yep. so more people heard of who Christ was, gave themselves to him, of course obeyed him, and were saved because mm-hmm. Paul and those like him were doing terrible things to Christians in Jerusalem. Yep. So again, it's again to your point, it's not God didn't cause those things, but he can bring all of those positive things out of, of those situations. Yep. yep. All right. All right. Shall we go on to sure. the sure. next verse? Okay. Um, the next verse that's often taken out of context is from Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Kind of hard not to sing that one, Ryan. <laughs> um, uh, but what thoughts do you guys have out, out of this particular verse that sometimes people will mix up or take out of context? Well, I think at least one thought that I have is similar to the last passage where it might be misconstrued as saying Christians are always going to be happy mm-hmm. and you're always going to be joyful. Now, don't get me wrong. I actually did a sermon on this. Well, kind of use this loosely yeah, as the did. springboard mm-hmm. of reasons, reasons to, to rejoice. rejoice. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that everything's going to going always to be, be joyful. Well, well, to go along with that, if if we continue to read here, matter of fact, we used uh, we did chapter we did Philippians chapter four verse thirteen on one of our prior yeah, yes. out of context. In this chapter, he's talking about being content with yeah. the situation, and I think that goes back to: Are we always going to be happy with the situation we're in? No, but are we going to be content with it? Yeah. Because that's the lot where I say lot. That's the 
whatever we're in at that point. Are we blaming God? Are we blaming other? Are we content with it? And we right. we we talked about Paul suffering uh, on you know in that last seg- segment there, but we didn't get into Second uh, Corinthians chapter twelve where he talked about the thorn in his side, mm-hmm. and you know he didn't like that. But what did he end up being? He ended up being content with it, and he rejoiced in the fact that his suffering, he would be made stronger through Christ. So that that t- tells me that there's a difference between always being happy but all, being able to rejoice, maybe. Right, right. Exactly. And even some of that mentality is discussed a couple verses later in verse 6. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So, um, and I even think, um, Ryan, what you said a minute ago reminded me of what we were talking about with the early church. You know, they weren't specifically thrilled that they were being thrown in prison <laughs> yeah, and right. everything else. They were, they just had the right mindset mm-hmm. and the, and how to respond right. in a godly way. Well. I was just going to bring up Acts chapter 5. Verse 41. Yeah, verse yeah. 41 to that point. The apostles had been arrested. They'd been beaten for preaching. And it <laughs> yeah, says, they weren't thrilled for that. Yeah, really. But it says they left the presence of the council and rejoicing yeah. that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Mm-hmm. And to your point, I mean, who in their right mind would, like, somebody's punching them in the face and they're just laughing. Nobody. Yeah. I mean, unless you got some issues, nobody, yeah. nobody's doing that. But the point is, is not that they weren't like happy, I guess, from an earthly standpoint, but they weren't happy about the pain they had to go through, but they were happy about the result. Yes. And because they knew that the reason why that happened to them was because they were being faithful to Christ and that caused them to rejoice. And I think that, I think, and maybe I'm drawing too much here, but it says rejoice in the Lord. Which yeah. tells me right. we're talking about spiritual things here, yes. yep. and we talked about in other in other podcasts. All spiritual blessings are in Christ, right. and that goes back to you know when you're talking about the lesson you talked about. That's what you were focused on, right? Our yep. spiritual blessings. Salvation was one of them. I apologize, I don't remember the oh, other come two on, bullet points. Ryan. That was like two weeks ago, man. No, that was this past Sunday, man. Was it really? Yeah, oh, man, it seems like it was two weeks ago. And today is Friday, so that's five days ago. It was our salvation. Yeah. It was the new family that we have, the fellowship that we have with one another and with God. And then the third point he is... He can't even remember. No, <laughs> is that our names were written in the written book of in life. Heaven. Yeah, yeah, because you know why? Yeah, because you used the role as call up yonder. And I'm like, why didn't you just use our name as in the book of life song? Yeah. I was like, that's the perfect one. But anyway, I was going to... I was doing that off the top of my head. So well, that because was just he, had, the first he had just that sang that life. song, though. Yeah. So that's probably Well, I think why. that's... I think that's the direction that my mind was headed, but okay. then ro- the role is called up yonder yeah, took over. So I do remember that <laughs> point. And anyway, I digress. But again, rejoice in the Lord because that's that's what he's talking about. He's talking about spiritual stuff here. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think going back to your point is they were they were rejoicing that they were considered worthy to to take that for Christ. Yeah. They weren't necessarily cheering and and high-fiving that they took a beat down, you know, yeah. so yeah. Uh, because that's the physical side and right. that's not what he's talking about. It's not like in the Batman movies when Batman is beating the <laughs> snot out of the Joker and he's just yeah. laughing, laughing his head off. Yeah. No. Yep. Anything else that you guys have on that particular verse? No. Okay, well, um, we're going to move on to the book of 1 John then, um, and we've kind of brought up these verses 
Um, but it's been a hot minute. So in our previous podcasts about the Antichrist is when we talked about some of the verses that we'll be talking about um, here in the next few minutes. But in 1 John chapter 2, um, there's a section between verses 18 through 22. It says, Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, and that none of them were of us. But if you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things... I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Um, So this set of verses and a couple others we'll look at um, here in a moment are talking about the Antichrist. Um, And obviously it's a pretty common misconception that the Antichrist is a particular person or, you know, maybe particular people. Mm -hmm. Um, But as we read in context here, even like if you just read this whole section, it becomes like very clear that it can just be anybody who denies that Jesus is the Christ or that Jesus is who he said he is. I mean, if you look at the the context in verse 19, where did he say they came from? From them, from from fellow Christians, yeah. At this point in time, he's talking about people in that era, right? Right. He's not not talking about some, oh, it's going to be some evil world leader, which people try to tie it to and say— Some people say it was like Nero— uh, some people probably during World War II Saddam said Hussein it was, Hep- was Hitler. one that I had heard. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Was, was, it seemed like Nostradamus was big at oh, that time. Yeah. and yeah. But anyway. Even uh, like the last three presidents, I think people have made accusations <laughs> <true. laughs> about. So. Yes. Yes. But, but, I mean, he's he's literally, if you look at the context, he's talking about right then and there. Yeah. Now, does that mean there are no Antichrist today? No. no, because by definition, Robbie, what you just said there, the definition is pretty clear. We have them today. But it's right. it's not someone that holds an off. I mean, they're, they're not in right. the office of Antichrist, right? right. It's not a, it's not a, a name tag or anything they're yeah. wearing. It's mm-hmm. just right. what they do. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, we'll quickly read a couple others, unless you guys had any more to say on no. those particular verses. Um, if you go over to chapter four, still in First John, verse three says, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God, and this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. So again, really just kind of more of the same um, that we had just mentioned, that every every being or spirit, whatever, that does not confess that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is who he says he is. Um, and it's, well, go ahead, guys. I was I'm just going to say, I think he gets slightly more specific there because I was going back, I don't remember noticing this in First John the two. Flesh. Yeah, that Christ mm-hmm. has come in the flesh. That's a little bit more specific uh, mm-hmm. than maybe what we looked at in the last one. But again, the general point is pretty much. The I, same. I think again, you look at the context of the book. Who he's writing to? He's writing to Christians right. who are being taught different philosophies of the flesh is evil, and there's yeah, no way right. Jesus could have been the flesh. And that's mm-hmm. what he's dealing with here. So again. Not that we can't get a message out of this, but he's writing about a particular situation at this right, point, and, right. and they're being led away by false teaching. Well, and to that point about the flesh being evil, so Christ couldn't have come in the flesh, my mind immediately went to Thomas. Yeah. yeah. Because Thomas is like, unless I see or touch, his nail yeah. hands and I touch his side, I'm not going to believe it. 
And so when Christ appears to him, he says, touch it because spirit don't have flesh and bones, mm-hmm. but yet you're touching me. Yeah. Right. Which means he was what? In the flesh. In the flesh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and if you look at the book as a whole, and I know this doesn't really fit the con- the out of context we're talking about here, but as a whole, as we, we when we did the book report on this book, we talked a lot about sin versus living in sin. Yeah. And some of that same concept was there. They're saying, well, flesh is evil. Might as well just do it because you have no control yeah. over it. And and the whole book is about, you know, the, the the flesh isn't inherently evil. Christ was in the flesh and he didn't sin. And I think here he's saying if someone's telling you that there's no way Jesus was a human or in the flesh, they are anti against Christ. Right. And that's really... And it's also interesting. I had never thought about this until you were bringing that up, but how they were saying that the flesh is corrupt but then he's saying, if a spirit that does that does not confess, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what he was doing or not. I would want to study that some more. But it's interesting that he's making that that point right there. If a spirit does not confess, then they're not from God, which shows that obviously, in that sense, the spirit, our soul, whatever, is not infallible. If you want to, or it's not like, I guess, inherently. Holy. Holy, yeah. yeah. I I was even going to kind of take a different spin. If you take kind of a step back and look at the early church history and the historical context of this, like you think of like Acts 1, after Jesus had ascended into heaven, a lot of like they're just sitting there like looking up at the sky kind of like, okay, so now what? <laughs> and so like I think like even just the early church, they didn't have Jesus anymore. And so like, there was a lot of confusion as to like what to believe. And of course, you know, the Holy spirit was behind, you know, a lot of what the apostles was doing, but I still think, you know, they didn't have the completed word for like a pretty good while. There's obviously going to be some confusion about, you know, well, did he really exist or, you know, what's the evidence for this that, you know, I think some of that would have set in too, you know, that's not specifically book chapter and verse necessarily, but just, you know, kind of like human nature, I'm sure would be to like question and to want to know, especially like the Greek culture that there was still some of that around at the time there, the Greek culture was very like skeptic and that you had to prove everything mm-hmm. and very much based on like well, yeah, what you could Paul say and Mars prove Hill it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that culture was very much still in effect, especially like Eastern Europe and probably into Asia and like kind of where the Persian Empire was at one time. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I was thinking of is that around that same time, not only did you have that to deal with, but you also had a lot of your like secular but also religious opponents that would have you know really been in opposition to a lot of the doctrine and the teaching of the apostles and of Jesus and that would have also led to a lot of confusion like so you know for example like the Jews and the Pharisees you know that kind of mentality didn't just go away so they were there were probably a lot of like false doctrines and yeah. obvious false teachers hence why it's spoken about so many times throughout the New Testament Right. And so, you know, the Antichrist, it wasn't necessarily a specific person, but there was going to be like a lot of confusion as to exactly who was Jesus and what you could yeah. prove, just like from well, those two things. And that point, I mean, in First Peter 1 and verse 8, we see clearly that there that the people to whom Peter was writing, some of them had not seen Christ. They didn't, exactly. they had never had any interaction perhaps personally with him. And so, yeah, there would have been. Even in the first century, those people were like, 
okay, but what proof do you have? Obviously, mm-hmm. they had the miracles. We have the scriptures and other things in the history to, to prove uh, why we believe. But then they've never seen them. And then they have, as you pointed out, the various cultures, religions, mythologies, or the Jewish religious leaders all trying to negate these things and saying that Jesus never even came in the flesh as he's talking about here or he didn't do all of the things that you know he was just you a believe. prophet he wasn't yeah. yeah yeah and that's kind of like there was a lot of doctrinal confusion too which is kind of you know why part of the new testament was written to correct like certain doctrinal things because jesus wasn't here anymore and so mm-hmm. like a lot of that had to be sorted out um sometimes you know by paul or whoever was writing the particular book so yeah yeah okay well um any other comments that you guys had on any of those verses about the Antichrist? No. Okay, well, um, we'll go ahead. I guess we went a little long on the last one, so we'll wrap up a little bit <laughs> early on this one and try to balance it out a little bit. Um, but we do thank all of you for listening and tuning in. And as always, we hope that you'll share this with your friends and your coworkers and family members and, uh, you know, people at bus stops or whoever you run into. Um <laughs> If anyone still rides the bus, that is. I can't say that I have in the last few years, but um, we just want uh, to be able to use this as a tool for other people to hear about God's Word and to be able to study along with us and come to know uh, who Jesus was. So, uh, again, if you have any questions that you'd like us to tackle in the future or topic topics that we could do on future podcasts, you can email us at the conclusion of the matter at yahoo.com, and we'd love to answer those questions and and topics that you guys have. Um, But I guess for this one, you can consider this the conclusion Conclusion of of the matter. matter.